Hi there and welcome to Raising Resilient Teens, the podcast version. My name is Sasha Lester and I'm so grateful you're here with me today, where we talk about all things teenagers, raising teenagers and the joys that go with it. With that, let's kick it off. Hello there and welcome back to another episode of Raising Resilient Teens. My name is Sasha Lester and I will be your host for the next 35 to 40 minutes. And today I'm super excited to be joined by Ms. Sharon Silva all the way from San Francisco. And she is the parent whisperer. And I have a big long bio in front of me, but I'm going to throw to Sharon to introduce herself to everyone um, using her words. So over to you, Sharon, and thank you. Well, thank you for having me. And, you know, if you want the traditional bio, it's certainly on my website, you can get that. But, you know, I'm a parent educator, and I did not name myself the parent whisperer, other parents did. And it sort of came up as a result of um, parents told me years later, because I have people who've been following me since we did mom's groups together in the very beginning. And they told me that they hear in their head when they got to the teenage years, what would Sharon say? How would Sharon get through this? And they said, it's like you're whispering in my ear. So they started calling me the parent whisper. But the it's idea- a lovely title. It is. I think it's a lovely title, but I got to give credit where credit is due. Um, <laughs> yeah, I have a background in early childhood development and parenting. Um, I have four certifications in parenting. And, you know, none of that really means a lot unless you've been parenting and unless you've been through the whole gamut where you've seen the difference between the littles and the attitude filled years. And my children are full grown adults. So I've seen the full spectrum. And what I love about your podcast is you're talking about something that every parent wants for their teens, resilience, the ability to quickly rebound from stress and adversity, the ability to go out and be successful in life. And I just want to remind parents, and it's my passion that they need to remember, you can't just really release a resilient child out into the world. It takes years of exposing them to their own mistakes and their and your empathy and all kinds of other things we're going to talk about in order to create a resilient child. So the full bio and all the goodies, in fact, including the fact that I was on Oprah, is all on my uh, website, but um, I'm more interested in talking about parents. Shut the front door. You're <laughs> Oprah. Oh my God. Like, okay, we'll just stop the podcast there for a minute. Um, <laughs> podcast topic. How was it? Was it awesome? experience? Um, it was a, um, it was an amazing experience. She's an amazing yeah. woman. And um, she took on a, a topic spanking. And I brought the topic to her, her producers bit, we worked on it. And I knew from the very beginning that, you know, it was that kind of TV. This was right before TV changed, where everything was adversarial, and you'd find the worst of the worst, put it up there, and then pit the best of the best against the worst of the worst, and see who came out the winner. So at the end of the show, we talked about that and it was sad. She's a lovely woman. Yeah, I do love, I do love Oprah. Let's talk about yelling. It's, it's a big topic for you, I understand. And I really resonated with you when, when I came across you because I'm nearly 50 and, and I know when I was growing up, um, I grew up on a property two hours outside my local town and I had ex, uh, not extremely strict parents, but a really, really strict father. Um, not so much mum, like she was, she was fairly chill in hindsight. 
I know growing up that I was yelled at and berated at times for, you know, not doing the right thing or not doing the right thing quick enough or, you know, not feeling enough. And, And when I had children, I was very mindful of how I was brought up and and I didn't want to slot into that way but but I did and it was yeah. really hard to un, until I did the work on myself and the mindset work of coming at it like flanking from a different angle that the yelling stopped and like you know I'll be honest hand on heart it's only in the last five six years that it has and both of my kids can tell me like when I when I started going off like the whole neighborhood would know and the house would shake (laughs) and like it'd be like fire coming out my ears and um like they knew that they were in trouble um like my question today is um how does it impact a child like say a four or five or six compared to like yelling at teenagers because I'm sure as shit I'm not the only parent that has yelled at my teenager I I yelled at my teenagers and you know the first thing I want to say about yelling is it's not always a bad thing it is a real thing so it is not whether it's good or whether it's bad it's honest it's authentic it's where you are in the moment and if you know how to rebound from it then that works with teenagers because you're modeling okay I lost my temper you lost your temper and this is how we do it but like you said with little people you're dealing with immature thinking you're dealing with a child who sees yelling and has this thought my goodness if my know-it-all parents who know everything can lose it and begin yelling. What they do is a child at that age internally withdraws to protect themselves from the intensity of the yelling. So we think that they're listening to us because we're yelling and we think that that's a great tool. What they've done is they hear white noise, they've retreated inward, they don't hear a word you're saying, they're terrified of you and they're trying to escape the intensity. That's not all that happens. The next thing that happens is they use their immature thinking and they decide if my know-it-all parents, my parents who know everything, they teach me everything about life. If they can't control themselves when they get upset, then I have no hope of doing that. And so they give up. They do not start looking for other ways. They make the assumption, this is how adults handle things and they continue and they yell. So we're undermining what we're trying to stop by yelling. It's kind of an amazing thing, but I asked a group of seven-year-olds, I think it was a group of like 10 kids. They were anywhere from age two to probably about 10. And I said, so what does it mean when mommy yelled? And and nobody said anything. And finally, the oldest came up and said, well, her lips get really tight. And I know it's like she's blowing smoke out of her nose. <laughs> so, you know, they're like, I don't know. Did Were the other kids able to articulate like their answers as well? Or was it kind of like, oh, I've got nothing? No, they didn't have anything. And they were embarrassed and they were uncomfortable and they didn't want to talk about it. It was like, oh my gosh, you know, so we cut that one short really quickly. Yeah. They were all really, they were all really un- uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. 
I saw a I saw a post today and I think I put it up on my Facebook stories and it really resonated with I think a lot of parents and it was just a statement and excuse the language parenting is fucking hard and and it is and we go through those early years and it's like oh we've gone through the terrible twos and we've gone through the the, the tantrums etc and we've got them to high school and then you know they'll be good from here but it's not necessarily the case like we get a whole new raft of issues um and I remember one day in particular um and I don't know how much you've um read into me or my story my son we discovered drugs in his room and and I like I was just at that moment and I think I was about to go to work and and I'd found them in his school bag and and I like I said you know like what are these and you know how dare you have them in my house and like I was talking very firmly and and I just started flushing them down the toilet and in hindsight I didn't know that you could flush weed down the toilet you've actually got to wrap it so it was like floating around and like that was a whole nother issue and <laughs> and he actually just started full-on yelling at me and I could see me in him and it took all my energy to remain calm and and I think I said back to him I said honey I'm so glad you're communicating with me thank you for sharing your view no you're not getting the drugs back blah 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 and I'm just like but like the inner me was going yeah Um, (laughs) I think that that's the that's the trigger and the trigger is not dealing with the end result the triggers when you pull triggers apart there's two parts to it what triggered you in the moment and what's behind the trigger what's underneath what's motivating the trigger um I think that when we're triggered as parents whether it's drugs whether it's staying out late whether it's bad language whether it's failing it doesn't matter you know here's the litany uh here's the list is that we need to remember that our triggers it's difficult to parent because our children are reflecting things in us that we thought we were complete with they are triggering things that all of a sudden come up out of the clear blue and are bubbling over and and righteously so a lot of the way so we have to install the way that we're going to handle these big ticket issues earlier in childhood so one of the ways that I suggest for parents to do it is to say, oh my, I really have an issue with this and I really don't know what I'm going to say, but I want you to know it will be addressed. See when I calm down. And I was waiting for the, oh my God. Um, (laughs) And then it just went on. I'm like, well, that's very clever. That was well played. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So from your point of view, what steps can um, parents take, whether it's parents to younger kids because you know I've got listeners of all age to parents of teenagers what steps can they take to be a better parent they find themselves continually yelling to solve a situation yeah um I got that question I've been doing this for 30 plus years and I get that question so often that I put together the very best methods that I could in a playbook called 10 no no yelling methods that teach and correct while you remain calm and each one is fleshed out so that you can start an early childhood and make it all the way through the teen years. The biggest uh, chapter in there in the playbook is about teens. 
actions and about consequences and how you frame them and the rules set. We frame rules in a way that you make, you ask a child to look at the impact that the rule has had not only on you and not only on them, but everybody in their circle of influence. In other words, you brought drugs into my house. How do you think I feel about that? What do you think my concerns are? What do you think my fears are? What do you have to say about why that happened? So the key here is that when you are about to get angry, ask a question. What that does is it literally shifts the brain from the emotional hemisphere to the logical hemisphere. It gives you a moment where you can breathe and regain your mind and it asks the child. It literally guides them from defending and deflecting to having to think about the question that you asked. So you start asking those questions. What do you think I'm going to say? What rule was broken? What are we going to do about these rules? You can see that I'm very upset about this. How are you going to talk to me in a way that's going to stop me from getting upset? And why shouldn't I call the police? I mean, you can go in a million different directions. That's what's unique to you and your child and your rules and your bound. And I give you the scaffolding, the way to get at it. And then you apply what you need. Years ago, I was talking to a friend. I was working FIFO fly in, fly out for a job. And it was just at the time where my eldest was, I think, grade six or maybe seven. And it's different over here, like the schooling system. And he was having issues with his daughter. And he was telling me um, he used the, when you do this, so when you um, talk nastily to your mother, so when you do this, it makes me feel, I'd love it if you did blah, blah, blah. So when you talk nastily to your mother, it makes me feel like I'm a bad parent and that I need to punish you or something. And I'd rather if you just took stock, take a few seconds and think about what you're going to say. And and he said, if you think about those three things, like those three sentences and figure out what you're going to say calmly to your children, it'll just be life-changing. And I thought, okay, that, that's really interesting. So I implemented that and and like it was almost a like a magical shift at the time of like I had to take a step back and think about my three sentences but they also had to think oh okay radio but yet very similar to what what you said yeah I think that what you're doing is you're owning what your contribution I used to call it the 50 50 rule in our house I made it up long before I ever heard about this it's like I come to the situation I bring my 50 percent of emotions you bring your 50 percent if I change the way I'm framing my conversation say to include the three sentences then I'm owning how I feel based on what you did I'm not blaming you I'm not shaming you I'm not saying don't do it I'm saying this is how I feel when you do this and this is what I'd rather you do do you think you could do that where a lot of parents get trapped is that that is the brilliance at the end of the conversation they can't find the emotional bandwidth to get there from being triggered and that's why what I said in the beginning which is I'm very upset I'm taking a moment I need this anytime you start a sentence with I you're owning it and there's nothing that your child especially teenagers could possibly say I remember getting into an argument with my son who was you know when we were talking off camera and I was saying that I had a real uh, attached little one or it could have been the the uh, podcast I did earlier today I don't know but anyway we were talking about my younger one and he was um very sensitive and when he hit the teenage years and he would do that I would have to say excuse me I believe I started that sentence with I I'm talking about me that does not give you permission to say anything about 
about my feeling. You can't talk me out of it. You can't say I'm wrong. They are mine, just like those are yours. And I can't talk you out of that. So it becomes, you know, there's like so many waves and it's individual. That's why I, I love helping parents nail what's unique to their family. Some parents don't ever want to have that much conversation. Some parents do. Mm -hmm. So you can do what you like as long as you understand the pathway that you're leading your child down. Do you see the flow on effect from working with parents to having great kids? I'm actually, this is one of my proudest things that I never anticipated would happen is that I have a great many women who still follow me. And I saw them when their kids were 18 months old and they report to me that they, and these are the ones that called me the parent whisperer. And these are the parents that said, I have been listening to you, following you and adopting little bits and pieces for all these years. And I have great kids. Notice I didn't say perfect kid because I also really empower parents to say, there's no problem with mistake. There's no problem with getting it wrong. It's an opportunity to learn how to get it right. That's what life is. If you were doing this to shut down an emotion or get it out of your child or stop it, don't, don't do that because they have the right to learn. Don't rip them off of their learning. And that emotion is still going to be there. Like um, they, they've got to get it out somehow, whether you're going to be who they get it out to or someone else. Yeah. My husband is absolutely wanting to get me a line of t-shirts that says, I'm the mom, hit me here with a target. <laughs> I could probably be a good seller. Yeah, I think so. It's a pretty good seller. Yeah, yeah. Um, can we talk about how parents and the difference between like responding and reacting, like in, in your words? Um, reacting is something that shoots from the hip. Responding yeah. is prefaced by a breath, a recentering, and then thinking, how do I want to respond? What do I need to teach here? Can I look past myself and just focus on my child? Reacting focuses right on you. Dare you? Don't you dare talk to me that way. I am the adult. It's like, well, did you look two seconds before and see that you just shamed and embarrassed your child and that's why he reacted that way? Well, that's what parents do. No, that's really not what they do. It's what we used to do. We don't want to do that anymore. I remember, um, I tell this story quite often and um, my daughter was, I think she was in like prep. So um, she was probably like five, but about, maybe about five. So quite young and she was in she's in her school uniform and um she didn't want to go to school and she said I don't want to go to school and I'm like honey you know you've got to go to school you've got to go to school she goes I, I don't want to go to school and I'm like honey you've got to go to school well I don't have to and I'm like yes you do I want to be the mum for once you're always the mum and I want to be the mum and I'm like whoa okay like sure you can be the mum for the day and I'll go to school and play on the playground and and do all that stuff I mean, there, you know, that's the influence of development because five and six year olds think that they're a much better mommy than the mommy. And, and, and you handled it brilliantly. And I would also encourage parents to say, if you find that your first words, your first response is directed toward what's happening in the moment, the end result, take a moment and ask a different question. Why don't you want to go to school? What happened at school that makes you not want to go today? So instead of the end result, which is you're going to school, I have a million things planned. We're getting you out of the door and we're running late. So let's move it because that's where we're all at. Take a breath. It takes far less time to just ask the question and try and find the motivation. 
And then that's where you work with the motivation. They go, oh, and I have to go to school today anyway, mom, because I'm having lunch with Sally. Do you think that society has moved to the, like the shoot from the hip kind of reactive ways because we're all so busy, like everyone's just busy and it's like go, 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 and parents, we don't seem to have the time to give to, and I'm talking about teenagers, we don't seem to have the time that we need to give our teenagers to give to them, yet we always find the time to give to them when they were younger, like when they were growing up and nurturing. It's kind of like they get to a certain point and it's like, well, you're good to go now, you go and finish high school and we'll just regroup when you're 18 and perfect and resilient. I I agree with that and I also think it, it is also a function of the teenager pushing you away. I call the teenagers the hat years. They put on a different hat and a different costume every single day. I like that guy. I heard that song. I like this. And so it's kind of like they don't want to be around you. And so we release them. But what we forget is that inner child inside of them is still longing for those private moments. So I would absolutely encourage every parent of a teenager to find five to 10 minutes every single day to check in with their child, just sit on their bed and and say, you know, I'm either yelling at you or I'm telling you what to do. I don't like that part of my life. And so I'm going to come in here every night and for 10 minutes, you get to tell me what you want to do. Do you want to show me, you want me to hear a song that you really enjoy? You want to talk? You want to sit in silence, but I'm going to be here because I don't want you leaving my house until you and I are fully connected. And it's been a while since we did that. And they'll fight you on it and then they'll love it. It's really interesting you say that because what was I going to say? Oh, my God. (laughs) It's like the international ringtone too, isn't it? Um, It's really interesting you say that because when I split from my ex and the kids were on a week on, week off rotation, I'd always pick them up on like a Friday. That was pickup day. The time it took like in the car going home was when they got to download of, you know, Mm -hmm. everything kind of negative in that was happening like over at dad's and what they didn't like and, you know, I really miss you and blah, blah, blah. And I would give them that time from pickup time to when I got home but that was it but once we got home then it was like filled with awesomeness and joy and happy and you know and depending on how they felt like I would sometimes be driving for a good 20 minutes to get home five minutes type thing and and now I know that like they're older now and I just know that when both my son and daughter they'll ask me specifically like um an example yesterday Addie got home from school camp and and she said oh mum can you take me sailing and I said oh no Gary's going to take you sailing and then he's going to go and pick up Harry take him to the gym and you know because I haven't been home most of the day and I haven't got a lot of stuff done and she said can you just take me mum I want you to take me and I'm like okay no worries random but they're not random moments because no they do ask me quite frequently actually no can you just take me or can you just pick me up and she just wanted to download on camp and just to chill um 
And I think that's a valuable lesson that parents really need to listen, but also hear what their children are saying, but not saying as well. And it's hard. It is. And I think that that plays right into what I was going to say, which is kids live in the now and we have an agenda. And so if we are, if our kids come and one of your kids said, I really would love it if you would take, and then all of a sudden you're like, yeah, but I haven't been home all day. So you're back to your agenda. She's in the now. She's looking for her safe place. You got it. I mean, you nailed it. And she was looking for a safe space to download. That's really what teenagers need. They need the freedom to experience what it means to be more adult-like. They need to be given as much responsibility under the umbrella of your home as humanly possible before they ever leave home. They need to be cooking. They need to be cleaning. They need to be budgeting. They need to be doing all of those things so you can find the holes in how they're learning. Because if we wait until they're older, they're going to come back home. Trust me, it happened to me. Um, It wasn't because he wasn't successful. It had something to do with something else. But still, they do come back home because you're the safe place. You say that you've got um much older kids now that have left home and, and grown up winning, high five. Have they, um, have they taken on like all of your teachings? Like have you, have they managed to break the cycle, I guess, of, um, the yelling and the shooting from the hip and the reacting and, or is it still ingrained? They have changed. It, it, it was my absolute passion and mission to stop that as much as I possibly could. And from what I understand from um, wives and girlfriends, that that is pretty much that they have, that's not passed on. They have the breadth of experience to be able to say, okay, I apologize if I yelled, here's why I was yelling and follow that up with more of their truth. Um, I don't think we can have perfection in one generation, but we're headed in that direction. And we get to be the gatekeepers of not passing that on. That's, there are many of us and I can sense that you're one of them. Um, I am too, where I put my my stake in the ground and said, I, I'm not passing this to another generation. They're cycle breakers. We're cycle breakers. And it is extremely difficult to hold that wave back and not visit it upon our children. But what I would say is that your children are your children because they too have something to learn from you. So if they continue to yell after they grow up, that belongs on their list of things they need to learn. They were given a parent who learned and showed them how. Now, if they adopt that, then that is a success for them. If they don't, they have more learning to do. That's how I've always been taught. And that's how I've always looked at it. Do you think yelling in parents to kids in general is on the decline? Yes, I think I I can't even say it's a decline. I can say that awareness has begun to um, hit that topic. Um, I think that there are many, um, I was speaking with a woman today, and we're talking about the millennials, and the millennials are very interested in stopping and being cycle break. And so this is the first generation where they're saying, yes, we really are interested in how do we do this? So yeah, I think it is, it's changing. I think not many people are as honest. Nobody wants to admit that they yell. And that's why it's really important to me as an educator and, and, and a parent coach is to say, it's okay if you yell because you're aware that you didn't want to do it. You know how to apologize. That modeling right there is as valuable as anything else. Screaming and being abusive, shaming and blaming that we have to stop. But if you yell, 
tell you were upset about something. You can own that and you can come in with a lucid brain. And I think there's parents out there as well that um, that they still hit their kids. Like it's not your realm, but they still yeah. hit their kids yeah. because that's yeah. what happened to them. And, you know, it was fine for me and I didn't turn out that bad. And Yeah. And that breaks my heart. And there is no talking anyone out of that. They have to yeah. arrive at that aha moment themselves. So if somebody challenges me on social media, I thank them very much for their opinion. It is not my opinion. Have a lovely life. And we're all entitled to our opinions. Yes. And everyone's got a sack of them, but um, we're the only ones that can change it as well. Like You say that you can stop an attitude in 2.3 seconds. Yes, Talk to I me. Can. Tell me. I can. You look at I your can. child and, you, and listen to the way that I say it. When your child has an attitude, you look them in the eye and you say, cry again. Most people will say, I give them the shivers when I do that. <laughs> and that is all that it takes. My husband said, you can stop anybody. And I've stopped men who were furious and trying to yell at me just, you know, with COVID and stuff and just being weird. And I would just look at them and say, try again. And it's like it reaches into the psyche and it grabs hold and it says, I'm not going to be mean. I'm not going to yell at you, but I'm laying down the boundary that I will not be talked to that way. Yeah. This works yeah. brilliantly with any age, any person, any time. It's absolutely brilliant. <laughs> To wrap it up in any amount of words that you'd like, any advice to parents of troubled teens or, you know, young parents or parents of any age, um, what's your words of wisdom that you can impart on us today? When you are react, the best thing you can do is drop from your head to your heart. Go from the shoulda, woulda, coulda to I hear you and let's talk. And instantly you have changed. Instantly you go from reacting to responding. It's the, don't you dare talk to me. You never should have done that. And notice what my finger's doing. You can't see because this is audio, but my finger is out and you can tell by the tone of my voice, your body language changes, your breathing changes, everything changes. But when you drop to your heart, my voice changes immediately. You can feel my empathy. You can feel that I understand that you lost your cookies in this moment. It's okay. Let's have a chat. I hear you. Let's talk about it. Oh, I love it. I love it. <laughs> and I'm seriously going to say, to, I'm going to try the try again. I'm going to try that on my partner and see how it goes. Because I think I'll start at the top and work down. Yeah, it doesn't um, work so well on partners until they they, they realise with partners they'll deflect because we're on an equal footing. And so what I've noticed with husbands and wives when I'm coaching them is if yep. you do it with your child first, the partner's involved. And then when it's his turn to say, try again, they can laugh about it and they get, oops, I was a little disrespectful. If you go at them first, then they feel like, what are you attacking me for? What should I try again? What did I do? And so there's all that. Okay. So let it play out on the kids first is my best recommendation. The other thing is notice what I do with my voice. Because that's the part you have to drop down an octave. Because when women get upset, our voices naturally go up an octave. We Ask do. any man who's yep. near us. They can't take it. And so I have a naturally low voice anyway. But when I say try again, there's the exclamation mark two octaves lower. And yep. I've watched my sons go, and they shudder. Yeah. <laughs> 
and they and they probably know that that you mean business at that point. Yeah, they They're do. Like, they do. They do. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I love that, and I think every parent's got that. I'm not taking any more bullshit past yeah. this point in time. Like yeah. this is it. Um, yeah, I call it the line in the sand. You stepped over the line in the sand, yeah. babe. We're done. And let's chat. <laughs> yeah, let's chat. <laughs> Sharon, thank you so much. It's been so much fun and I love that you um, gave us time all the way from the other side of the pond. Um, have a great evening. And I also just want to offer you. all of your listeners a free gift if they would like to try some of these ideas. I have a free gift when you come to the website, which yep. is proactiveparenting.net, and it's called 30 Breakthrough Choices for Kids That End Arguing About Rules and Boundaries. And I will put all that in the um, in the comments. Perfect. Thank you so much. Much love. Have a great evening. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. And just like that, it's a wrap. I hope you've enjoyed the last 20 or so minutes and have walked away with some golden nuggets of information. If you'd like to join our Raising Resilient Teens Facebook group, the link will be in the comments. And until next time, ciao.